You're listening to Comedy Central. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. March 1st, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. You're going to need it because our guest tonight from Black Panther, His Royal Highness, King T'Challa. But first, but first, it's a good thing we got a superhero today because uh, everybody, you might want to duck. A stunning announcement from Vladimir Putin, an aggressive and defiant declaration of Russia's new nuclear capacity. Putin declared that Russia has, quote, a brand new weapon, a strategic nuclear missile powered by a nuclear engine. He claimed the new weapon has unlimited range. It can invade any missile defense system, delivering a nuclear attack devastating anywhere in the world. Are you shitting me? (laughs) We're still dealing with Kim Jong-un, and now Putin pops out and he's like, hashtag me too. Come on, man. Come on. And now, and now, the missile might not look scary because the video looks like something out of South Park, but, but the idea of Russia having a missile that can evade all defense systems in the world should scare the shit out of you. I mean, unlimited range? Is this a missile of Meryl Streep? What the hell, man? But let's move on, let's move on. There have been a lot of new developments in the debate over guns. Uh, Yesterday, Walmart announced it will no longer sell guns to people under the age of 21 or to dogs under the age of three. (laughs) This wasn't working out. And it's, it's just amazing that so far, a chain store is doing more about guns than Congress is. Especially because Congress is basically a building full of Walmart greeters, you know? It's just like, hi, welcome to Walmart. I do this because my grandkids won't talk to me. Now, in addition to Walmart, Dick's Sporting Goods also said it would do the same thing and that they won't sell assault weapons at all. Yeah. So... So now, if you want to kill someone with something from Dick's Sporting Goods, you'll have to buy them football equipment and wait. But the big box stores 
aren't going to stop school shootings by themselves. So yesterday, President Trump invited lawmakers back to his apprentice set to discuss <laughs> what can be done to stop gun violence. Now, if people came in expecting Trump to side with Republicans, they were in for a big shock because Trump is unpredictable. Just when you think he's going to zig, he punches you in the nuts. President Trump shocked lawmakers in a bipartisan meeting on Wednesday, calling out the NRA, calling for comprehensive gun control measures backed by Democrats. Lawmakers are confused after President Trump seemed to buck his own party. Some of you people are petrified of the NRA. You can't be petrified. Yeah, Donald Trump attacked his own party for being scared of the NRA. I did not see that coming. Like, that was the craziest twist since the end of Usual Suspects, you know? Yeah, like when we found out that Kevin Spacey molested Kaiser Soze, that was just mind-blowing. And, and, uh, and if you thought Trump was going rogue when he attacked Republicans and the NRA, wait until you see him supporting the Democrats. Mr. President, what do we do about weapons of war easily accessible on our streets? Somebody. You go into a store and you can buy an, an AR-15. You can. You can buy a Tech 9 I mean, you can buy all these weapons. Joe and Pat, you're going to have to discuss that. You'll sit down with Diane and everybody else, and you'll come up with something. And I think, it, I, I really believe it has to be very strong. Did you see that? Did you see the joy on Diane Feinstein's face when Trump tells the conservatives to put her shit in the bill? Like, she looks happier than Ted Cruz on Halloween. He's like, finally, my doorbell rang. Yeah! All the Democrats, all the Democrats in this meeting were giddy. Like, look at Amy Klobuchar when Trump shut down the Republicans' concealed carry idea. Like, all of a sudden, she's Jim from the office. Like, are you guys seeing this? And this was, this was pretty much how the whole discussion went. Trump supported all of the Democrats' gun uh, control positions, right? Universal background checks, raising the minimum uh, age to buy rifles, uh, banning all domestic abusers from purchasing guns. Trump pushed all of their ideas. And it was so disorienting seeing a completely different side of Donald Trump. Right? It's like finding out your grandma works part-time as a dominatrix, you know? <laughs> That's right, they call me the queen of nipple play. <laughs> And just like a dominatrix, President Trump truly pushed the limits. Because at one point, Mike Pence tries to step in and say, calm down, people. There will be due process before anyone's guns are taken away. And Trump was like, or... But the focus is to literally give families and give local law enforcement additional tools if an individual is reported to be a, a potential danger to themselves or others. Allow due process so no one's rights are trampled. Or might take the firearms first and then go to court, because that's another system, because a lot of times, by the time you go to court, it takes so long to go to court to get the due process procedures. Uh, I like taking the guns early. You know, the, the police saw that he was a problem. They didn't take any guns away. Now, that could have been policing. I think they should have taken them away anyway, whether they had the right or not. Okay, uh... <laughs> My mind is gonna explode. <laughs> Donald Trump just said, F your rights, I'm taking your guns. Isn't that what he said Hillary was gonna do? Yeah, Donald Trump flipped so much in this meeting. I was waiting for him to be like, the reason I sound like Hillary is because it's actually me. It was 
just a wig and fruit roll-ups. I can't believe you fell for it. Lock me up. Now, look, this is an extreme position by Trump. It's even more extreme than the Democrats were asking for. And I guess yesterday, some people on the left got a glimpse of why Trump's people love him so much. He wants to take action, and he's not gonna let anything stop him. And people on the right got a glimpse of why people are terrified of Trump on the left. He wants to take action, and he's not gonna let anything stop him. (laughs) And, like, we we shouldn't really be surprised that Trump is flipping on guns. Uh, Because in his heart, he's never really been a gun nut. My sons have been members of the NRA for many, many years, and they're incredible. They have so many rifles and so many guns, sometimes even I get a little bit concerned. I said, that's a lot. You see? You see, that, that, was, that was the truth slipping out. You see that? Yeah. Although, I mean, to be fair, I, I also wouldn't want my kids having guns if one of them was Eric. I mean... Yeah, no, 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 For, forget guns. That guy should go through a background check before every smile. Come on now. But, but before you get too excited, before you get too excited for your new gun grabber in chief, Just remember what happened with DACA not too long ago. Trump was at that same table, agreeing with Democrats on immigration, and then two days later, Africans were from shithole countries and the whole thing fell apart. Yeah, so basically, I wouldn't be shocked if next week when Trump is talking about protecting schools, all of a sudden he's like, look, why do we care about these douchebag kids anyway? We need more kids from Norway, folks. More kids from, I didn't say douchebag, I said douche house. But at, at the end of the day, I, I think this, this whole meeting just proved how simple the gun issue really is at its core. Because every other issue, healthcare, taxes, you know, Trump, Trump has no idea what's going on. But with school shootings, he's like, guys, I think I figured it out. It might be the guns. Guns make the bang bang. Guns make the bang bang! I get it! We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is the star of the blockbuster movie, Black Panther. Please welcome Chadwick Boseman. I didn't expect you to do that. <laughs> welcome, welcome to. What do, you, what do you mean you didn't expect oh, me to do man. that? Everywhere you go now, for the rest of your life, you will be greeted like this. You are, you are not lying. You are the king <laughs> of Wakanda, my friend. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Oh wow. I've been a fan of yours for such a long time, and I've watched you go from film to film, and you've played some of the most iconic people on screen. But there is something truly different and magical about this character. Could you feel it when you were making Black Panther? Uh, I, think, I think the whole cast, we knew how special this project could be. Um, we knew what the comic book was. We knew what the, you know, what the, what the whole idea of this technologically advanced nation uh, in, in, in Africa that, you know, essentially they're the oldest people on the planet. Right. That's that, that idea that, that, that um, it was a revolutionary one that we knew we could throw a lot of our passion into. And we didn't know how people would receive it. We didn't know, um, you know, that it would be this sort of impact that right. we knew uh, that it would be important to see a black superhero. Um, we knew that would be interesting. We knew that, you know, once people saw what these women were, that that would impact some people. But you don't know if that's going to be a niche um, group of people that love it. And you also don't know if it's going to, um, you know, if, if, if the studio is going to put everything they can into it. And right. I have to give Marvel credit and Disney credit for, um, you know, Throwing the book at it, right. <laughs> essentially, and, is what they and, did. And that's really what they did. I mean, like the marketing worldwide, uh, the way the story was presented, everyone on the cast. Because what made the story special was, I don't know if it was just me, it feels like Black Panther's powers come not just from his suit, but from his people. From his tradition. From his tradition, yeah, from yeah. his tribe, from the, from the women around him. It was really special to see a situation where it didn't feel like anyone was a sidekick. It felt like everyone was part of a team. Was that something that, that, that you were focusing on in the way you treated your stars in yes, every scene? absolutely. Um, I, I felt like in order for him to be a good king, you know, one of the good signs of, of someone who is wise is that, is that they disseminate responsibility. Right. Um, and I, so I, I felt that, 
you know, his father would have taught him, you know, use everybody's skills. Don't try to do everything. Right. Um, you, can't, you can't be everywhere at one time. So it was important for Denai to be as strong as she is. Uh-huh. It was important for Lupita to be as strong as she is. Um, and, and I felt like, um, you know, what we had as far as, you know, there's no real, I don't think there's a villain in this movie. I think you have two sides of the same coin, right? The Kill, Killmonger story That's and an the T'Challa story. Yeah. Um, you know, we treated it that way. Michael and I kept ourselves separate and came together at certain points so that we could create this sort of tension on scene, but on, on in the scenes. But it was it was it was a collaboration, I think. For everybody, that, that's an, that's an interesting together. idea that there was no there was no villain. It was two sides of a story. I mean, more than ever in America right now, people feel like, oh, there's a villain. There's no villain. There's it feels like every story needs to have that. But that's what made Black Panther so complicated. And I won't give any spoilers away, but it felt like a story where you truly did not know how you felt. Mm-hmm. You just had to work on how you felt about what the how the people were trying to do what they were trying to do. Well, it, it doesn't let anybody off the hook, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and that, I think that's. That's the key thing is that I think when you, you, everybody is the hero in their own story, you know, right. like, like you should be the hero in your own story. You should be, um, you know, you, you, you should see yourself conquering, um, you know, the dramatic action of whatever you're trying to do. So when you get the crisis, you know, you know how to deal with it. You right. should be able to do that. And th- there are people that come in and help you with your story, but you have to be the person who who deals with the conflicts that are in place. Nobody else can. There's no deuce ex machina right. that's going to come in and, and, and save it for you. Even if you pray to God, God expects you to do some things. So I think... Um, you have to be that hero. I, I know that I felt that and I connected with so many of the characters in different ways, um, uh, not just because of who they were and what they were doing, but also because of home. Like, I was really impressed by the fact that everyone in the movie had an African accent. And what was cool was it was African accents from different places. Mm-hmm. You know, like Mbaku had, had a Nigerian-inspired right. accent, you know, and, and Nikia had an accent that had flair, like a bit of, a bit of Kenya in there. And, and T'Challa came out and there was a moment in the movie where I was watching you and I was like, why does this sound like a little bit of a young Nelson Mandela? There was like a, mm-hmm. was, was there like a Kosa inspiration behind the absolutely, accent? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, my, my, you know, that was, that was the, um, the, the sound of my, my dialect coach. Oh, wow. And so I wanted that sound um, specifically because I felt like the clicks are an indication, like it's believed that, that that languages that have the clicks, they're among the oldest. Right, and right, And so right. I, felt, I felt like that was a great sound for this, for this particular character. And, um, you know, he, he, the point that you just brought up about each body, each person having a different sound, we felt like we were taking the continent and sort of closing it in, right. like compressing it and saying everything that we love about the continent came from here. Right, right. So right. you can pull from every place because there's a dispersion from this, from Wakanda. So, yes, she could have a Kenyan hint in her accent. Um, it also allows each actor to bring things that are close to them um, to the story. Right. So as opposed to, like, some people might be like, well, you can't just have this generalized Africa where people are, are um, picking from anything they want. But if, but if it becomes from an organic truth and an organic DNA, uh-huh. which is what we did, then and everybody's on the same page, 
then it becomes something that is real. So. Was it was a part of you worried though that everyone having African accents would be something that like the studio or even moviegoers would wouldn't gravitate towards? I I, I wasn't worried. Um. <laughs> so somebody was worried. <laughs> somebody was worried. I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wasn't worried because I had seen, um, you know, I'd seen um, uh, John Connie right doing Shakespeare. You know what I'm saying? I, I'd seen who plays my father in the film. I had seen, um, you know. Uh, African Zulu Macbeth. Right. You know, I'd right, seen right. that before. So I knew already knew it worked. I had seen that from my college years. Right. That this could work. You know, other people hadn't seen that. So I knew that the that an African accent could carry all of that passion in the English language, you know, just as well as a British one could, if not better. Um and so uh you know, for me there was a when I heard things like people can't listen to that you know, for an entire film, if, you know, they were just talking about me doing it. I was like, no, we're going to go to Wakanda one day. <laughs> and, and if, in my mind, I was like, if I have a British accent right now, <laughs> what's, what's going to happen? <laughs> when just, the rest of the nation is speaking with a British accent. I'm just picturing that it scene. Horrible. I'm just oh. picturing that cut out of the movie right now. It's like Black Panther coming back and everyone's like, my king, you have returned. He's like, well, hello there. Yes. Yeah. Well, hello. Good to be back. I, I, when we were debating it, I had that nightmare. <laughs> I had that nightmare. I was like, no boy. <laughs> like, the, the movie connected with so many people on so many levels. Um, and one thing I, I really enjoyed was I got to watch the film in New York City. I got to watch the film with many different people from different walks of life. Mm. Um, I watched how it touched many African-Americans. What I also loved, though, was how that authenticity translated back to Africa, back to South right. Africa. I saw people back home who embraced the movie just as much as people did here, which is not an easy thing to do because Africans get portrayed in a certain way in film. Right. And a lot of the time, I won't like, we watch movies and we're like, who, who, who are they trying to imitate right now? Right. What part of Africa is this? Right. But, but people loved it back home. People loved it in the motherland. Was that something that was important for you? Did that, did that touch you? It, it, I can't even put into words what that feels like because, because you know, on both sides, as, Af as an African-American and, you know, seeing people from the continent, I see, I've seen the divide for my entire life. Right. You know, I, I've, you know, grew up and I remember hearing the term African booty scratches as an insult. You right, know, I remember right, that. Right. Um, and then, I, and then I, I went through my phase of trying to find Africa and not knowing, well, which place am I from? Wow. You know, and I've seen Africans who viewed us in, in a particular way where you're not connected. Right. You don't know where you're from. And at the same time, love parts of our culture. So there's like this weird, there's been this weird dynamic. Uh -huh. You know, I don't know the oral tradition because I didn't grow up with it, you know, for, from, you know, if I, if I knew exactly where I came from growing up, I would have had an oral tradition from that place. Right. I, I never had that. So this movie, in a certain way, creates a story that we all share. And it's the first time that's, I feel like that's ever happened. Where I feel like where, that. Where it's like, okay, that's our story. That's our story, too. And I think part of that is because um, you have these two um, characters who have this collision. Right. And they have to go through each other and find out about each other. 
Um, so even in fighting, there is a there is a sense of kinship among them, and I you know I think it, it's portrayed on on screen where people accept it. It's portrayed. It's uh, welcomed. It's uh, electric, and it's gonna make billion dollars plus. <laughs> so, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.